0: Hello everyone and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 258 My name is NBZ and uh, I'm a lone ballet, I've been left alone Everyone's left me, they've all gone to India to have fun in the sun Uh, Not that I would want to be there because the sun is way too hot in India. It's just like, I'm not built for it. We're having a a
1: very mild October over here. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty mild. I mean, it's still pretty warm. It's just been perpetually hot. Like September was like extremely hot. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on It's September? Um, I mean, it's hot
1: without the hay fever. It's great
0: yeah exactly so that is a bonus but it does it still gets very muggy but um anyway uh i've as a pale indian I, i'm often mistaken for someone who isn't so uh i think people like my, for my sister especially people are like are you spanish are you this are you that it's like no i'm indian it's i don't know it's uh it's hard to uh, tell sometimes but um yeah i i'm not one for the sun usually i am one for like you know uh the winter and the cold i was born in the cold you know i was born in december so it's kind of uh my
1: vibe um
0: so yeah you've internalized it i have internalized it yeah are you a cold or are you a
1: hot vibe i probably side more with cold than Mm. hot but i still feel the cold and do like a bit of a bit of warmth occasionally and i handle the heat surprisingly well compared to say someone like caroline where i can be out in the heat and as long as i've got like a hat and sun cream and maybe some sunglasses or whatever i can i can tolerate it and I'm, i'm fairly good at actually running in the heat as well um as long as it's not humid like dry really sunny hot days i'm actually okay at running in which i'm I'm very proud of for yeah, a spot that's, that's good that's, impressive. that's good um i would never be caught
0: running in the sun it's just a terrible <laughs> idea um but we'd be caught uh, running no just never oh, well, just never exactly. be caught oh, running okay. ever uh, yeah it's not not my vibe but um uh in any case we're here to not run anywhere we're here to run into your minds with our video game descriptions i don't know uh we're here to talk about video games on nintendo games. platforms uh that is what we do it's our job here we do it well uh and bali will tell
1: you what we're going to be talking about today we have been playing so many video games that too many we're only going to be talking about video video games that we have been playing there's not going to be yes. emails there's not going to be nope. any second segment yeah we're just going to be talking this show about the video games that we have been playing um yeah because there's been some great ones like mbz for example how often is it where i'm in the middle of a bit of elden ring uh-huh. tears of the kingdom gonna talk about wargrove 2 in a second i've just got all these long games on the go trying to desperately manage my time before the, mm-hmm. the year yeah and then MBZ's like, oh yeah by the way i played like my game of the year uh-huh. and you've got to play it <laughs> you have to play and it I'm like, well this game that you're talking about is four hours long uh-huh it's on game pass you've just declared it your game of the year and now i'm basically obligated to put everything to the side and i have to play yeah this it's game. very
0: rare because like I'll, I'll i'll sit recommend stuff to you all the time you know and yeah. like it's a rare game that like immediately you have to drop everything to, to to play but uh that was the situation and we'll get to that we will get to that cocoon we'll get to that but um bali uh some serendipity uh, arrived at our doorstep um whereby you are a big fan of uh, advance wars and war groove the kind of spiritual successor to advance wars um and uh yeah we managed to uh, to hook you up with a review code for war groove 2 and um, thanks to uh, our friends uh, honest pr uh, to matt lorrigan who was able to uh, get us a code for the show yeah, and for Bally to play it early in advance um in order to uh, to talk about it on this here show so the, the game just came out last week but Bali you've had a bit more time with it to right. uh, to play um so yeah what what are you thinking i know this is uh, one of so your game of the year at one point the original war Group. this was my game year i want to say 2018
1: maybe it was 19 um, because 2018 was celeste i think so yeah maybe 19. was Celeste. Like, you're right it was 2019 yeah so yeah well, we have two um most people are saying this but it's it's bigger and better and badder than the previous game like it, it there are now three campaigns i think there are well there's three campaigns and i think they lead to like a fourth campaign or it might just be a fourth final mission i don't really know um and there's also like a prologue campaign so i've done the prologue campaign i've done the first campaign i think i'm nearing the end of the second campaign wow um and that's only actually taken me close to 10 12 hours maybe i don't know how much i've played to be honest Mm. um and I'm really really loving it so far uh and what's awesome is I've actually just finished Advance Wars 2 as part of Reboot Camp so nice. I'm in like a really good headspace I was a bit nervous when this code came in the sense like I've just played a lot I've played like 35-40 hours of Advance Wars this year do I have the capacity to play this game and then jumping into of 2 i have I've remembered oh yeah this game is like a lot better in so many ways than advance wars while still and, and, and it, re, it doesn't just copy advance wars it really reinvents key aspects that just make the gameplay so great and i should say that war groove 2 really doesn't alter much from war groove 1 there are some new there's like three new units uh but the the meat and potatoes of the other units and the way they interact is exactly the same um all the animations are also the same all these things are all the same um and also r- reminding me like again i much prefer dragons over bombers or massive turtles over battleships or knights on horseback instead of tanks or giant walking golems instead of mecha tanks like there's there's just a real fun fantasy Design to this world which i am so engaged with compared to advanced wars and that's one thing that i love about the wargrove universe is the story is actually really good um and the story in war 2 is even better i would argue than the story in wargrove 1 where does it continue on in any way it or is does it... continue okay. on but in a kind of weird mystical kind of you don't fully understand what's going on kind of way Wait. because you the first campaign you do is with the fari um, and they are mice or oh okay kind of it's funny because like back in the warhammer fantasy days uh the the skaven they were like the rat people. right yeah. um, whereas these fari they're definitely mice not rats and they're it's funny because the, um the great thing about Wargroove is that all the units between factions are the same but they have really unique designs so for example, the 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 uh, Cherry Stone are kind of like your European traditional knights of the Round Table kind of style right. of that's the Red Lady, right? They're, they're, that's the Red Lady. That's uh, mm-hmm. Caesar the Dog is another part yes. of that. Yeah, um, and basically their knights on horseback are just people on horses. Whereas the Fari, they are mice, but instead of horses, they ride cats, which is just like this really oh, silly, wow. like nice, that's nice thing. Um, See, so yeah, you've got your factions again. You've got like the you've got the forest people, so they're like all foresty and made of leaves. You've got the re-dead army led by Volder, and he's all about like necromancy, and they he leads them in Felheim. It's all it's all kind of like um uh Norse mythology driven. Uh, and then you've got like the they're like they're kind of the heaven song and they're all kind of like they're kind of east asian themed but also heaven related and they all kind of have like mechanical golem beings that they use and I, these are all from the first game and I, I just love the factions and the design because their golems look different to uh cherry stone that just have literally walking castles and things like that. It's, it's really nicely themed in that way so- sounds like
0: they just had to put a lot of art resources behind this game to create that feel because if you're going to have every unit be unique for each army and however many armies there are. Like that's a lot of pixel art to produce.
1: Yeah. I mean there are five factions minimum in this game. Um might be six. I think it's five. Uh and yeah, so there's a unique looking unit for every single type of unit. And there's maybe I don't know, twenty types of units. Like, there's a lot of effort that's just gone into this game. Um I'm just trying to remember the three unique um the new units. So yeah, you've got the flying infantry units. So these are infantry that are, so for the um for Heaven Song or Heaven uh, who I'm playing as at the moment, they ride on like these ostrich kind of things. And they mm. those units can fly and the advantage of them is because they're infantry on on like horseback as it were, they can capture uh like um towns, capture like houses and things. And then you've also got um frogs in this game, yeah. um which is really strange but really awesome because the advantage of frogs is they can uh pool units uh, that's a space so oh, it's a bit like, of like into the breach going it, on totally so you right. can and you can do it on friendly units or an enemy units and there's quite a lot of like Similar to Into the Breach pushing enemies off the edge in this game. There's oh, some okay. power-ups that do it and other things. Um Does, so, can that cause instant deaths if you like push someone in the water? That's yes, not the deal. Okay. Yeah. You can push push them into the abyss and yeah, it's some really cool stuff in here. And like I just think that it all just feels more varied. I think one thing it really has over Advanced Wars, and I really noticed this with Advanced Wars 2 as part of Reboot Camp, is wargrove 2 really changes up the what you're aiming to do in missions and the way that battles unfold advanced wars is very very rigid in you need to take out the hq and that or defeat the other enemy units and that's how you win the game oh and now we're doing a fog of war and basically it's only fog of war or defeat all the units and that's it those are the only two game modes it feels like and even in advanced wars 2 they just ramp it up and they say Well, now you still have to defeat the enemy units, but instead we're going to use these pipes. So I don't know if you know the pipes in Advance Wars 2. I don't think so, no. The pipes are impassable, so they create the maps constantly create choke points and funnel points that force your unit so it 's a real slog where you 're like god i 'm getting absolutely back because I'm, my units being forced into this bottleneck, and so many of the missions at the end of advance wars two are just like designed around that to the point where the, the the goal is often to break a point in the pipe that is so hard to reach and you there 's one there 's a couple of maps near the end of that game where the pipe just like almost spirals a bit in the in the corner and you have to get a unit right into there and then destroy the pipe and then you win the game so like my point is Wargroove and especially Wargroove 2 because i think Wargroove 1 was the, the diversity of styles of what you're doing was maybe a little more slim whereas this game it feels like there's a lot more going on i think that combined with quite a fun story and kind of there's a lot of intrigue with and it's clear that there's the three campaigns are going to link up in some way and there's like shady shit going on behind the scenes and it's all going to come together in a cool way i'm i'm really enjoying the story and that combined with the mission variety has meant that 12 hours in i'm not feeling burned on turn-based strategy at all like i'm it's still really fun to play really chill and yeah i'm i'm absolutely loving it it's it's really impressive that's really good
0: And, and does it work in the same way as the first game where you have this kind of overworld and you're choosing missions and there's side missions to go and do that type of thing and does that kind of distribute over three different campaigns in that way
1: yeah, so i am only done campaigns so far. I know this game has, like, multiplayer, online online multiplayer, and it's even got, like, a roguelike mode that I've not touched yet. Oh, really? Yet. Um, yeah, huh. it's got, like, some sort of roguelike mode, mode wow. which I will try at some point. Probably has the map creation stuff from the first game
0: as map well, creation, I assume. Map creation, definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, the campaigns so far are much more linear than the first game, which oh, okay. I'm not opposed to because I kind of like linearity. I don't like yeah. the, Advanced Advance Wars 2 kind of does this thing where it throws seven missions out at you and then you have to beat like four or five of the missions to progress so you can essentially leave the two hardest ones if you want oh, to Oh, okay um War i think war groove one did that a little bit where you kind of had branching paths well, well i remember the little bit i played of war
0: groove one i got to, like i could choose to go and do a side mission if i wanted um but i could also just continue with the main mission so it seems like there was extra content kind of like on the path but it, it feels like this game because they're doing three separate campaigns they're doing less of the side stuff and more just making you do everything just in a linear fashion
1: yeah which i think is working nicely because like i said they they're mixing up it's uh progressing a story. Um it's fairly lean. Like that first campaign, I think, was maybe like, I don't know, five, six hours. It, or maybe five hours, it wasn't that long. And then the prologue campaign was obviously just like, I don't know, a couple of hours wasn't too long. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it's just it's really, really enjoyable so far. Um and it I'm I'm like I said, I'm really shocked that I've come off of Advanced Wars 2 because I still had a really great time with Advanced Wars two. I actually went back and checked out like when did I actually play Advanced Wars Two on the Wii? When when was right. that when in the podcast um, did we did? It was it? episode ninety nine. Oh it wow. Came out on the ninth of September twenty seventeen. Uh and i I was talking about on the show that um I'd had Advanced Wars two downloaded for a long time on my Wii uh, and hadn't got to it. Um, okay. Uh, back then that was just when we started our discord server actually okay way back huh? in 2017 yeah uh, if you're interested that episode then we said you were you would just you had just played sonic mania uh, <laughs> interesting uncharted huh? the lost legacy uh and mario plus rabbits um wow. and yeah th- the focus i emphasized back then was that managing you're mainly managing multiple armies against one like that's the theme it feels more so in advanced wars 2 which is cool and like i said that it, it focuses a lot more on lasers across the map cannons and you don't have the lasers or cannons just the enemy like the, the don't, don't think that you're having any advantage here and then like right. like i said impassable pipes that are just there to like funnel you into specific parts of the map yeah um, i remember you just saying how much harder it was how much more brutal it was it's really sort of brutal stuff.
0: and it, I, I think at the time you kind of preferred it for that and i remember in that top 50 around that era you pushing for it higher than or pushing for it like i was pushing for like fire emblem fates conquest i think like we're both kind of doing that of like we were we wanted to be punished right and that was the the kind of argument i guess
1: yeah totally um and i still have so much respect for Advanced wars 2 but i did feel really bruised by the end and mm. Back in 2017, I said something I would like them to fix in the future Advance Wars uh, was having a purple area that shows the safe spaces. So, if you yeah. remember, they introduced this, I think, in Fire Emblem Awakening, might be in the first Right, game to have I it, think that might be it. Where you yeah. just press the X button and all the enemy units uh, get highlighted and all the areas that the enemy units can attack get highlighted as one mass danger area, essentially. Yes. So, you're like, if I move my unit to this clear space, no matter what happens i cannot be attacked and yeah reboot camp doesn't have that it sucks like i wish it's like little they had
0: like all the chances in the world to like quality of life this thing right like right improve it and like add to it and it feels like all they did was just skin it and just make it the exact same game
1: exactly and i to- i was interested listening to what i had to say about the final mission in 2017 because that uh-huh. mission is damn hard um and I admitted back then that I had to use save states for the final mission. Right. Uh, so No I option use... here today to do that. Well, exactly. So with two turns to go, on because like, there's like a countdown um, on the final mission, um, I did a save state uh, as a precaution um, back in 2017. And then a turn later, he got his like meteor power and blasted my units at just at the point I needed them to like complete the mission oh and, and beat the game so i went back to the save state and then beat the game um back in 2017 uh this time around on that final mission i've got to put my hands up i fluked it i actually really? fluked it. so it's like a like i described before it's one of these ones where you got three factions against one and there's a specific part of it. it's not a pipe it's a it's a big laser beam that shoots down the middle of the map and you have to defeat the laser beam. And the laser beam doesn't actually take a ton of hits. It's like you just need to get a bomber there and you, you'll you defeat it in like two turns, I think. Anyway, I I basically got a bomber there. It managed to fly all the way up the east side of the map and every there was something about the computer that just felt a bit, the AI that felt a bit weird where mm. it was spawning counters to my bomber constantly one beat late now this may may be because the bomber can fly very far, so like it by the time something spawned I've already flown outside the distance it can attack me, but the computer just kept missing my bomber and I managed to fly the bomber to the laser destroy the laser beat the game and i this must have I must have reset that map like four five six times, and just this one time I got a bomber very early on managed to get up the map and defeat it um so I yeah i can't believe i did it um it was was wild uh i've got it
0: sounds like like one of the hardest kind of like things in
1: this series that level pushed me a bit over the edge where i was like advanced wars 2 is a bit it's a bit bit too much it's just a bit too much it's i'm glad i beat it but like um so yeah just some other conversations we had back in 2017 about the game uh, you asked me, are there any black holes in this game? And I said, just the amount of time that I sank into it, which I think was a <laughs> cracking joke. Um, Wargroove was on its way in 2017. Oh, I really right. knew yeah. about it. I guess it didn't arrive until 2019. Uh, and I said, "I it's, it was exciting, but I was pleading for another Advanced Wars game. Uh, and then you said, as soon as intelligence systems can get waifus into Advance Wars, it will come to Switch. Yeah. Well. Um, so it managed to even come to Switch without waifus, which is yeah. incredible uh and yeah that's kind of all i I had to say about advanced wars 2 back then but like
0: yeah it's i mean it sounds at this point that like you are and you've said it before that you probably prefer wargrove to advanced wars but you would you say it's kind of like in stone now that this
1: is your preference i think that when i've talked about wargrove being higher than advanced wars on our like top 50 it's predominantly been thematic and kind of story driven and i like that while i like the characters Mm -hmm. and now playing wargrove 2 i'm a lot more into the mechanics than i was versus advanced wars now like i said those last few missions of advanced wars 2 are really really goddamn brutal and just not fun in the same way and i'm just having a lot more now maybe wargrove 2 gets incredibly brutal and sure But the advantage of Wargroove 2 is there's loads of difficulty sliders and loads of things I can do to edit it. There's nothing I could have done. Uh, Maybe I could have turned it down from classic to modern on right? but definitely not in the original. But I'm just finding that the variety of what they're asking you to do is much more fun. And I'm really engaged in the story and the characters. And Obviously, I still love the theming also it's pixel art which nintendo just doesn't do anymore and it's pixel art it's fantastic pixel art and incredible animations i i really 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 love the animations of wargroove 2 like it's so nice um
0: yeah sometimes that's all you need like we'll we'll talk about my time with horizon on the next show i've gone back to horizon forbidden west to try and finish that up but like Honestly, half of what I like about that game is just like it's just very nice to look at, you right. know. Sometimes I'll find myself in cutscenes, like not really paying attention to what people are saying and just looking at the pores on their skin instead because that's what's more interesting to me about the game than the actual yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. dialogue. Which, yeah, sometimes like just a good looking game is a good looking game and it it kind of does something for you.
1: So, as much that. as of 2 is a good looking game, um aspects of it still don't run the best i've had one oh, okay that's uh, a shame soft reset i needed to do and obviously i was playing the game before day one patch which has now come um and also just kind of you have to have your cursor in the right space when you're fast forwarding the the enemy through their movement if you want to speed them up got if you. You, okay if you have it on the hq and you press b it'll just bring up their hq whereas if you have it on a empty space and press b it'll fast forward things so there's there's a little bit of jank in there not much and the animation is still run beautifully the music is fantastic like it, it's a really really lovely like put together game and i'm i'm thoroughly enjoying it and having played advanced wars 2 i'm it's kind of criminal how little story they actually put in advance towards when you think about it like they could have done so much more but
0: that wasn't the era for it though right you think about gba games and handheld games especially back then were like well let's let's just make this a portable type experience which meant like short burst kind of gameplay stuff like easy to pick up and put down and i feel like story just didn't mesh that well also story wasn't really a big priority for anyone back no. then, let alone Nintendo who like barely at the story
1: altar even in twenty twenty three, uh, with their big Yeah, games, totally. So. And and that would that has always been a common criticism of, of Advance Wars. So if you're making a game that's trying to evolve on that formula, like Wargroove, I guess there's an open goal that waiting there to get a good story in there, and I think they've done a, a decent job of that so far. Like it's it's good. Um yeah, I'm firmly in the I prefer Wargroove to Advance Wars camp right now and having played them so close together it's nice to see there are cool things about advanced wars i like the way that you just you put units on cities to recharge them um recharging units in WarGrove is, is slightly tougher but it just makes it a bit more strategic i think the bottlenecks are far fewer in WarGrove as a result and having played The ending of advance wars 2 which is basically bottlenecks the game it kind of feels a bit it feels quite refreshing now i'm sure there'll be bottlenecks and difficult things at the end of advance wars 2 but i do feel more equipped and more prepared and it's nice I, i i'm i'm really actually impressed by the enemy computers as well in wargrove 2 they they know how to utilize a small number of units incredibly well where they can I can sometimes have far more units than the enemy and they still manage to just utilize the space, utilize this and, and they do heavy damage to me. And that's and that's partly because obviously one reason I said this massively of Wargroove 1 is the critical hit system is impeccable with Wargroove. Like it's a huge part of the game. And for those who don't know, it's every single unit has the ability to crit another unit based on placement on the map. So every single unit has a unique critical space they can be in to enable it for example if you are an infantry unit and you're standing next to a commander you will do a critical hit critical hits i believe are 1.5 damage and it's guaranteed it's not like rolling a dice like a fire emblem quick critical right. hit, for example you, you mean next to your own commander right? next to your own commander right. uh, but likewise there's some other unit i can't remember which one but they will critical hit when they're next to the opposition commander so like or your dragons which are like your bombers uh they critical hit when they attack ro- uh enemy units that are on roads so it's like oh they're really exposed so they're going to take a f- ton of fire and they're going to take 1.5 damage um or your pikemen they will do critical hits when they're standing next to another pikeman so like it's thematically like they all make sense and really utilizing those critical hits and finding the right moments you can really outmuscle more units than you own um when you play it right and that's something that obviously advanced wars just doesn't have there's not like there is some dice rolls but it's a, it's a very minute level and it's mainly just oh my unit's better than yours i win i was in the mountain you can't get me and there's obviously still that with wargroove but the critical hit adds this other level that is just so much more engaging and intriguing to like try and break down and play um so yeah wargroove too like i it's come out at a pretty horrendous time for video games. I was going to say, like, are you worried for like the future of this
0: series, given that there's not been a lot of talk around it, a lot of buzz, and it's a very, very tricky time for anything to get any attention right now. um Are you worried that people won't pick it up, or do you think that in the long term fans will kind of come around to it?
1: I do think turn strategy uh, is incredibly niche, unless you're AAA fire emblem or something like it. It's right. still a very niche kind of. Um, type of game so i totally get it and i think that even if this game had come out at a clearer time and made more waves you know i th- i think the audience comes to wargroove 2 like they comes to wargroove they they there are rabid advance wars fans that will come to this game regardless of what else is out at the same time like i right. don't think wargroove 2 is the sort of game that would seriously be impacted by a busy release schedule because i think that your casual gamer fan, like, I don't know, kinda of funny. Or mm-hmm. someone and they're not casual, they obviously hardcore play a ton of games, but they play a lot of mainstream games and it has to be an indie that really It's a big focus on like Triple A, basically. Big focus on Triple yeah. A's. They only only play a handful of indies. The type of gamer that only plays a handful of indies is not going to play war Groove unless they have some knowledge or reference to a game like Fire Emblem or Advanced Wars. Like I, I think that they might try it regardless. And I think the first game especially, and this game, the prologue is very good at like easing you into it. But um, it's quite, it's still quite a hardcore niche audience from my experience. And I would be surprised if- And
0: they'll likely just seek that out, you know, if not right now,
1: then eventually they'll they'll wait for it to go on sale and pick it up, right? Yeah, totally. And so I'm not too worried about the timing of it coming out. And um, I think it's a fair criticism that some people might have that, oh yeah, it's not doing- a ton new compared to the first game but like i said i've not tried the roguelike element like that could be exciting and yeah i do like the split campaign and the idea of these campaigns coming together i think that's really exciting so story-wise i'm there and like i said i think the the missions so far feel more varied than the first game which is like like i was saying about advanced wars 2 like really valuable because um a lot of those late missions in Advance Wars 2 were incredibly similar and mm-hmm. it was quite a grind by the end and it felt really fresh to just jump into Wargroove 2 and yeah. um, play something that was very different.
0: No it's, it's good you're able to kind of directly compare them like this having had such a kind of recent experience with yeah. Advance Wars. Yeah. Um so
1: And yeah. I still want a successor to Advance Wars. I of still course, think yeah. it's doing unique things that are very different to Wargroove that I would still embrace a a new game um but likewise i just I just prefer that wargroove formula a bit more um and I want more turn based strategy games less let's yeah, yeah, they are
0: the thing that um, we love on the show uh, in different uh ways, right, so yeah. Uh, that's good i'm yeah. um, very very glad and uh yeah I'm, I'm glad that uh as a as a hardcore uh fan of both these series you're able to uh take an early look at uh, wargrove 2 for everybody out there so yeah in the
1: in the year of bali um these yeah. two games they've delivered it's it is. doing well so far it is
0: the year of bali indeed <laughs> um all right so um so yeah let's let's talk about uh the video game that we really want to talk about the most on oh, the show <laughs> um so uh I back in the day, right? I played Inside, uh, and I loved Inside. I thought Inside was an incredible game. Um, I played Limbo as well. I didn't like Limbo as much as Inside. I think Limbo is very good. I thought I it had some kind of some puzzles, like especially the last one I remember in Limbo, struggling with and having to look up a guide and stuff for that, and it got a little bit frustrating. But I thought Limbo was very cool, and I thought Inside was like a perfected version of that, right? And the reason why Inside worked so well for me is that it was a side-scrolling cinematic platformer in the puzzle vein where every solution felt like brilliant but also you never got frustrated getting there uh, and i was always able to get over it as all well to understand it And i remember i played it in a single evening it's like three hours long and i finished that game and all the stunning revelations all the kind of like the gameplay twist at the very end which was just kind of mind-boggling back then i've held it in very high regard for a very long time um, and so since inside came out a lot has happened to play dead as a company right play dead are currently working on a game no one really knows what it is i believe they have a deal with epic um, for their next game but some people left play dead so some core people who were the head of the studio so uh, there's dino patty who went off and he founded Jumpship, uh, which is a- another studio um, and Jumpship put out somerville last year somerville a game that is very much more aesthetically in the vibe of inside and limbo where it was a kind of side-scrolling cinematic platformer with lots of puzzle stuff um i was interested in somerville it was on game pass as well i never played somerville because everyone said it was kind of middling right it got like Mm. sixes and sevens it didn't score very well and it sounded more frustrating than anything else right where you know they have this aesthetic style that is evoking limbo and inside but the 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 seamlessness of the design just wasn't there it just didn't have that same kind of brilliance to it um and so i was like oh that's a bit of a shame seems like the talent isn't really there um and then you know on the other side of this you have yeppe carlson who leaves and creates this other studio i think it's called geometric something geometric i can't remember the name of his studio geometric something um so he creates this other studio and uh, he starts working on a game called cocoon um and cocoon shows up i think at a maybe a nintendo direct maybe another show and i remember looking at it and thinking it looks kind of neat um but it, it doesn't have the same kind of inside limbo aesthetic as somerville did so i guess it wasn't quite as much on my radar um but i was still interested because i was like okay well but I, I guess i was maybe a little less interested because after what happened with somerville i'm like oh do these guys have it anymore right where's the real kind of talent behind the studio maybe play dead are going to come back and really show us that the people who were really talented weren't the people at the top all along mm. it was some other people at play dead who really were the the minds behind the throne um that couldn't be more wrong Bally, because we found we found the reason why inside and limbo were brilliant <laughs> uh, and and it is it is jeff a colson uh, the the person who is kind of leading uh, cocoon uh, six years six and a half years yeah um but i think cocoon is one of the most brilliant games i've ever played it is stunning from a design perspective and i think i, I we think about this with games sometimes right? they come out and it feels like oh you could have trimmed that it, like you could cut the fat like games are too long they're bloated there's extra stuff there
1: was this part i didn't
0: like was this part that wasn't good that they, they kind of you know this this bit went on a bit too long blah blah, blah blah there's always stuff and i think a lot of people have spoken over the years of like video games need an editor right like films have editors like tv mm. shows like in a way to cut things down in a way to make it Get rid of the fat, and the problem with video games is they're always coming in so hot, and they're always there's never time basically to make something that has that. Cocoon really feels like you know this is a four hour game. It took me four hours to finish. I think you took a bit longer, so you, it yeah. ranges four
1: to six hours basically. And I did it in like three play sessions.
0: Yeah, exactly. um So you, you this is not a long game, but it took six and a half years and you can feel every single one of those six and a half years because the the amount of restraint this game has when it comes to what it teaches you what it shows you what it takes you through and not having any fat at all having just the most seamless experience the design language of this game the way that it teaches you without saying anything with no pop-ups no prompts nothing and you instantly understand exactly what you have to do it is remarkable and i think that idea of editing of like cutting it down to its core essentials like it feels like cocoon is one of the most well edited games i've ever played Um, and i don't know if that was the case i don't know if it was bigger and they cut it down and they 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 refined it to this fine sheen but it feels like the sharpest design i have seen in a game in years like it is Mm. absolutely astonishing and even after the first two hours i went to twitter and i was like already this is one of the best puzzle games i've played and i hadn't even got to the crazy stuff that it does at the end but already i was so enamored with everything it puts across um, so i guess that's an intro to cocoon we should probably explain what cocoon is and what's going on so bali i guess do you want to kind of talk about uh the approach to cocoon and kind of what what it is yeah
1: in the, if i had to do it in a sentence i would say it is top down zelda puzzles without the enemies mm. um but if i wanted to say more it's that, but the main crux of the form of puzzles are these orbs, and you can go into the orbs and each orb is its own world, and you are manipulating going inside and out inside and outside of these orbs and moving them about and bringing one orb into the other, essentially bringing a whole world into the other, solving puzzles that then will affect the orb on the outside and so forth to the point where you're You're manipulating orbs, bringing them inside and outside of each other, and progressing puzzles that way in Mm -hmm. truly bizarre ways. And that loop is made stronger by everything that you've described, MEZ, where every single orb has such a unique vibe and feel. You start with like the orange orb, and it is like this dusty desert. Uh, We should say you're, you're playing as like this almost bug-like cicada cicada whatever you call it yeah
0: like you're you're basically like right the idea of a cocoon right is you know the 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 small little caterpie goes into a cocoon and becomes a butterfly eventually right um it's that idea but you are kind of like you're kind of in this in-between state where you kind of have wings and your wings are small you're not really fully evolved yet you've not fully become a butterfly so you kind of come out i guess pre-formed Uh, because you kind of exit from this cocoon at the very beginning of the game i mean like cocoon's a great name for the game because it is about going inside of things and outside of things right it's about encasing yourself within a space Mm. and uh, the externality of that as well so like i think thematically it fits very well but yeah you are a you're a small bug-like creature and i think part of the brilliance of this design of like it, it teaches you without you having to read a single thing is you will step up to an object and you notice and i only noticed this like quite a a bit into the game that your wings will start flapping or fluttering or buzzing nearby interactable things mm-hmm. so you automatically like instinctually know that this is the thing you can interact with without having to you know just say it or, or, or put it out loud and there's
1: only one interact button this game is incredibly exactly. single button game simple um simple simple is wrong word it's like incredibly lean like just yeah, having one button so streamlined like if I had to sum up this game in one word, I would say, like, immaculate. Like, yes. it's just so perfect in so many ways. Um, and just talking about style, I love that it's not purely bugs, bugs, bugs. It, like, it's, it's like cyberpunk bugs. <laughs> right, it's like, yeah. There's this real cyber, kinetic, metallic, futuristic kind of cyber... I don't know how, what other words to use melded with the geometry and the almost like the the style of bugs cocoons lattices hives all these bug-like things you can think of like the whole worlds are designed around these ideas like it it looks unbelievably good and works so well for what the game is doing because my guess would be uh is it, is it jeppe, jeppe yeah Carlson. Jeppe Carlson, yeah my guess is he came up with the globes straight away. Like that's the crux of the game. That's the going in and out of the globes. Thematically, what works best with that? Oh well, we could be a bug, I and mean, we could be a bug that goes into the globe, and then they pick up the thing, and then the, the almost like so many bugs, like ants and things, they they carry around. Food yes, they're like dung balls, right? B. That are much larger. than Exactly. Them. Yes. So, like, I think the theme will have definitely come after the mechanics, and right. it's just the perfect theme for like what this game's going for.
0: It feel, I mean, it does like feel Nintendo like in its design in that way, right? Like where they
1: clearly had this idea. It feels so good. Like this, may, this game is making me want two D Zelda to remove enemies from the game. That's how right. good this game is. It's like keep a game, and we I mean, should say this game has bosses, but yes. it doesn't have enemies. No. And I was thinking, how many games have I played that don't have that have bosses but don't have enemies? And the only other game I could think of was the Pathless. And I think what those games both have in common and do so well is that the main thing with the Pathless is exploration and the main thing with Cocoon is puzzles. So removing enemies from the game allows Cocoon to focus on puzzles and Path the Pathless to focus on exploration. And then the the bosses are almost like the cherry on top. They're the set pieces that almost divide the game into chapters and kind of they give you A focal point to get to and move beyond but they aren't the game itself they're just kind of like these bonus cool things it's the game showing off really whereas right the real part of the game obviously is the puzzles and i just this game wants me to try more games that have bosses but not enemies there needs to be like a name for that type of game because it just feels so into what i want to be trying to play
0: yeah yeah for sure and um i think the reason those bosses work as well as they do is because this game is so smooth to control like as soon it's it's one of those things right we talk about sometimes of like why does night in the woods have platforming it doesn't need it but it just feels better as a game for having it it feels better to move around that world with a nice feeling jump and to go on those wires and to hop around the rooftops like it just it, it enhances what is already an incredible game in night in the woods by having that layer and like cocoon fundamentally mentally as a puzzle game, it doesn't need you to be fast or reactive or whatever. But it lets you have such a sense of movement and freedom. And you about you know how fucking much I complain about movement in video games and how slow everyone moves and how I need a run button. As soon as I started moving this
1: character around, I'm like, this is the perfect speed. Like, it it's feels not too like fast spend... and it's not too slow. It's nope. kind of like this medium, I would describe it. Maybe on the faster side, but it yes. works
0: yeah exactly like i i was like they, six years spent on whatever the movement speed was they nailed it like exactly the movement speed i want and you walk around that first opening area and one of the things that really overwhelmed me in this game like you have to play this game with headphones because the sound mm. design is astonishing it is just like the the mood it sets and just the amount of things happening like the wings like when bosses have their entrances and just like the ethereal kind of soundscape is just it really takes you to the place right there's a sense of immersion that it creates that is unlike anything else and and i think it has that alien vibe to it um that really kind of transports you that i think is just Mm. excellent but i I will say i I think we should you know make this clear to people because this is a nintendo podcast and there's a very switch focused audience here yeah i would not recommend playing this game on switch um i've seen a lot of people talk about it on switch and it's available there if it's your only way to play it i guess you should play it on there but if you can play it anywhere else i would strongly recommend that because so much of this experience is how smooth and seamless it feels and having it at a higher frame rate is almost necessary to get that across right like playing at 30 frames per second feels like you're doing a disservice to what cocoon is trying to convey as a game um and a lot of people uh who have played this game i've seen comments of like i don't usually care about frame rate but cocoon you have to play on something that isn't switch because it's just not going to give you that same sense that same atmosphere because you, you it will feel sluggish in a way that the game is not designed to be um so it is available on switch but i would strongly recommend you playing it somewhere else instead uh, if the, you can, the
1: quality basically. of the animation and how snappy especially the transition between worlds when you're going in and out of those, yes. those globes those spheres that you're carrying around that are essentially the crux of the game like it is so crucial so i played this game on series x and it ran seamlessly mm-hmm. um and i know you play on pc MBZ oh my god and...
0: dude this game at 144 frames is <laughs> insane it is like and honestly that's like a good part of the reason why it just resonated with me so
1: strongly is just like wow just the, the smoothness of it was just so overwhelming and there's some um, really impressive flourishes of animation especially around like the set piece there's a lot of set pieces and transitioning between parts of the world like you'll often go onto a platform that then links to another part of the world and you'll fly through this bit and all these bugs will just come flying across the screen or the way that certain bosses are animated in these really elaborate fancy ways just to make you go wow that looks (laughs) unbelievable and you just remember oh yeah i'm playing a top-down 2d game and there's like this, this incredible presentation like it's it's wild
0: yeah and i i mean on the bosses right one of the things i find really smart about them is i mean the checkpointing in this game is very good anyway but like um when you start a boss fight it will teach you a mechanic in a safe space before the boss fight starts and if you die on that boss fight you'll just go straight back to the beginning of the actual fight you won't have to do that mechanic thing again so it teaches you in a safe space what you're going to do in this boss fight and then it starts the boss fight and it means that you are feel like you're on an even footing to start it you already understand the mechanic that it's going to tell you
1: like it's just a really simple thing but it's just a brilliant piece of design in in order to kind of make it work for people they teach you a mechanic to use in that boss fight and mechanic is not used in any other part of the game yes exactly there's a unique mechanic for every single Boss fight, um, and that is just just impeccable. Like 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 we've been saying, like cutting it down, understanding what the player wants. How do you keep the experience fresh? How do you keep it lean? How do you keep it interesting? And this game, especially like those focal points around the bosses, it just really doesn't fail. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if i was to levy one critique of the game it would be Ooh, around the boss fights.
0: yeah there, there is there is a chink in this armor and then there's yeah. only one it is a bit of a pet peeve of mine uh with boss fights this game does the wario land 2 and wario land 3 thing <gasps> where if you get hit it basically it's, it's a one hit it's not really a death it basically just kicks you out so yeah. you you t- get hit by the boss it will knock you out the orb and you'll have to go back into it basically to to fight it again and you're back and to the first phase you're back to the first phase yeah. and i love the design of these bosses and the phases and all that sort of stuff the one issue with it is the same issue the same chink in the armor that donkey Kong country tropical freeze has which is you can only damage these bosses within certain windows that the game allows you to damage them right Mm -hmm. like you have to wait for an opening in order to do it and that opening only happens after you dodge a bunch of stuff wait for animations to happen blah blah so as a player you have less agency in taking the boss down which basically means that if you get knocked out a couple of times you're like all right i have to go through the first phase which is easier and wait another few minutes in order to get back yeah, to where I was you
1: prefer Mega Man. I'm in there. I'm gonna yep. absolutely nail this boss. I defeated yep. it in ten seconds. move on. let's go yeah.
0: I like the Souls like model where you can just kill the boss before it even goes into a second phase right like <laughs> you there there is a flexibility from the player to express themselves to to do what they want to take down the health bar if I, they're
1: aggressive or whatever I think um, I think a game like this and Yeppe will want you to see that phase he will yes. want you to like experience this final phase of this boss and like he wouldn't want you to skip a beat and you yeah. know not see that phase fully. totally um, yes
0: and it's designed in that way where the third section of each fight will change things up quite in, in quite different... radically often yes. yeah that
1: yes. last phase um another game that i just referenced that does the booting out thing is the pathless and it's almost like right. a decision and worryland has the same thing they don't have health bars. It's like no. a way of we accept that because we're a game without enemies, but we have bosses, we won't have health bars. But we still need some way of punishing you for failing against the boss. And it's that, it's, it's that balance of I personally love it for Cocoon. I love that you're booted out. You go back and you go back to phase one. Some bosses were definitely harder than others. And it's just kind of teaching you right let's learn this boss and let's let's master it and the pathless basically does that as well and again the pathless there's like specific windows you can you can do damage to the boss and you wait for the phase which i know you've just said you don't like
0: where, where i think the um the pathless actually has won over on cocoon is that i believe in the pathless there are checkpoints within the boss fight so you get mm. to a point and you are kicked out but you restart back at that phase of the boss right so i'd say yeah. my only my only thing to improve cocoon would really be just add checkpoints after each phase essentially so that you don't have to yeah. worry about repeating
1: that i'd stuff. say the boss fights are too short to do that I, like the pathless definitely has longer boss fights. maybe
0: but but maybe like maybe like the third phase would be it right you get to the third phase and that's when you're able to do it um i don't know it, it, it again i'm sure that they thought about this a lot because this is one of the most oh, yeah. impeccably designed yeah. games of all time yeah. so they must have done um but it, yeah it, it's the only thing is really the only blemish that I can find with this game because otherwise it is just a trip. Just going through these puzzles and like there are such small things that are like teaching you, but like things that you don't expect right so the one that i always come back to is so when you go into a world uh, you place it on this pedestal and this pedestal creates like a puddle this kind of colored puddle mm. that speaks to the color of the world and it is a reflection of what's inside the world so you see a bit of a reflection of what's inside um there are these these kind of these drones that you collect and these drones uh are used to open up passageways and you know they 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 enter into these big blocks and they open up doors and stuff like that um and these drones you can transport them around the level but they have one hindrance which are these kind of laser triangle uh kind of wires where if you pass through this wire with the drone it will eat the drone up and you'll have to respawn and and get the drone back there is a puzzle in this game where in order to get past a wire you have to exit the world with the drone let the wire go back past and then enter again so that it passes you and so my thought was okay i'll just exit the world i'll wait for a little while it'll probably be done and i'll go back in and what happens is you exit the world and on that mirror in that reflective surface you see the wire cross (laughs) through the water and Mm. that's what i did was just like fucking hell this is brilliant like they of course that's the solution to the puzzle and that's what they knew but they and again that's the only time it appears just that one puzzle you don't repeat it that's that one time yep and like there are similar ideas to that of like having worlds inside worlds to accomplish other things and like create um you know solutions but this one thing that happens and you just see it's just fucking brilliant it's just so like seamless it's like yes they thought of literally everything including the reflection in the surface inside this world to let you know when the time has passed so that you can jump back in safely just remarkable stuff um, absolutely phenomenal. i want to
1: jump in on something i loved <clears throat> which is because it's a top-down puzzle game there's often areas where it feels like you have so many options as to places you can go like do I go north right southwest and you realize oh south is closed west is closed so i have to go north or east and you might start going north and then like a door will shut behind you or your platform will move and then going behind, going from where you just came has been closed off and the game does this really subtly, constantly. And it really reminded me of... I was saying this over WhatsApp. I mean, said like Metroid Dread, where... Right. That game is very... makes it, it, Metroid Dread is actually very linear, but mm-hmm. it feels a lot more open. Cocoon yes. is the same. It feels very, very open. Sorry, it feels very linear. Sorry, I'm getting this wrong. It feels very open, but it's actually very linear because there's constantly options... You feel like you constantly have loads of options when the reality is i don't think at any point in the game you have more than two or three options you've you and there's 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 really not not much backtracking as a result yes there are some areas that are slightly larger than others and if you want to have a proper explore but again with the speed of the movement of the character it's you're not backtracking that far like you'll never like oh god this puzzle is across 20 screens and i'm now spending 20 minutes walking from a to b to a to b there is a little bit of back and forth because you're moving spheres constantly but it's never that far and it constantly feels like you're solving where to go next when really the game is subtly guiding you there without you even noticing
0: yeah you have to place your trust in the game that will take you where you need to go and it always will do that basically it will always place you where you need to be at what time and with the right orb kind of combination that you should have at that time and i think that there, there, there's a version of this game that gets too complicated right there's a version of this game that 100%. there's seven orbs and you're juggling them all and you forget which one you're in and which one you're not in and like the restraint that they have to say no we're going to limit this to this many and then we're going to do this other thing with it to kind of simplify it again and then we're going to slowly reintroduce like it the pacing of it is just stunning from that complexity angle where i saw him tweet about this on twitter as well saying there's a subtle thing that we also do after you've done a complicated puzzle we suddenly make it very linear and easy and chill to give the player that sense of relief that like lessening the burden of having to think too much because once you've done a really complicated puzzle you do want to kind of like reset yourself a bit and the game just instantly knows that that's what you want as a player and i mean just the testing on this must have been insane just just trying to figure out like the feel the pace of it and you know we've said this back and forth a few times but it is it is so rare to find a game like this where puzzle games can often be obtuse they can often Mm. get you frustrated they can often force you to go to the internet and look up a walkthrough just to get through a a part of the game i know this happens to you quite a lot right with these games and to achieve a level of design where you get to that point where you're almost there and you're like i think oh am i gonna do this this way is this correct and then you just get it at the moment where you otherwise would want to be frustrated and or, or like give up every time it happened every time it worked for me where i was like i'm not sure if i can do this on my own and then it came to me in a flash i was like oh this is how it works and i didn't look up anything and i never had to go to a guide and and I know the same was for you, Bali, which I
1: think for both of us is pretty remarkable because we have very different puzzle right? I can't remember the last puzzle game I beat without going to a guide. I think even on the easiest puzzle game I can think of, and I can't even think what it would be, I still had to go to a guide. This game is definitely not the easiest puzzle game no. I've ever played, but it's still the only puzzle game I've ever played where I didn't have to go to a guide once. And like, there's such an achievement with the design where especially in the latter half of the game I was so convinced I had either soft locked to the game or I was at a dead end and just could not work out what to do with yeah, the Yeah, there's, there's
0: one moment that is just like mind bending you're like uh that is that supposed to happen you know it's yes. <laughs> one of
1: those. But it happened just kept happening. It kept happening. That's like s- the quality of the design is so impeccable that you constantly feel like you have soft locked the game, uh-huh. and then a minute later you are onto the next puzzle because you just solved it. Like yeah, that happened so many times. And I, I used to be incredibly stubborn uh, when I started with like puzzlers of like I am not going to guide I'm right. going to work this out. And I'd spend fifteen, twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. I never spent more than like a few minutes on any of these puzzles, yep. um, and that, that let I can feel the frustration building. And just as I, just before, just as it turns from, um, oh, this is interesting, and I'd like to, I'd like to solve this puzzle now. To I'm really frustrated. I have no idea what I'm doing. It just revealed itself to this is how you do the puzzle every single time before i got frustrated i never got frustrated with a single puzzle in this game and for a, like i a, just i think it's like four and a half hours for a four and a half hour game that is unbelievable i cannot believe it consistently did that without me getting frustrated once i cannot believe it yeah it's it's just an achievement of design unlike
0: many things i've ever seen um in the medium and uh yeah and it is not getting a lot of uh discussion right now which i think is a real shame i think um you know like obviously it's a game this is a year filled with big games and like i honestly i was very much struggling with game of the year this year like i i've liked a lot of stuff a lot like there have been games that have really had standout things right like tis the kingdom i think is still incredible it's still very high up my personal list but like it didn't have the same impact as breath of the wild um and just you know that sat with me in a way that i I just didn't feel good calling it my game of the year like pikmin 4 i really adored and had a great time with but it is like it's a it's an iteration on a thing that i've seen before i think like because this year has had a lot of sequels and a lot of stuff that is known quantities they're very big games at known quantities nothing has like surprised me and the thing with Cocoon, and this is what always defines game of the year for me, is a game that comes out of nowhere that surprises you, that like takes you off your feet and does something new and unique and different, and and that is exactly what Cocoon is for me. It's why it is just so uh, head and shoulders above anything else I played this year. Is it is just different, uh, and it's providing a different experience, and is is building on a on a genre that has you know been around for years and years but it feels like the peak of that genre operating at like the highest caliber possible um and you know it could have gone a bit more complicated complicated could have been a bit more like that and i think it would have been lesser for doing so i think mm. the the restraint that it shows in stopping where it does in exploring the ideas that it does to the extent it does um is its real genius um and yeah i i'm stunned by it and i i I mean if you haven't played it uh obviously it's on switch you can check it out if you don't have anywhere else to play it but it's also on game pass uh so it's available if you have a subscription um or just buy it just just support this game because honestly uh yeah i i want it to succeed i want more people to play it i think it needs to be discussed more um yeah it's amazing it's just an amazing game
1: so (sighs) it's so good i i I will say Yes, the animations are impeccable and awesome. I still think there's so much to gain from this game. If you are forced to play it on Switch, I think you will still yes. have an incredible time. I um, agree. It just might not be always the smoothest experience. No, game, But no. Um, it's still just at its bones mechanically an impeccable game. And all the rest is just like this incredible bonus that is just like, oh, I cannot believe this level of production has gone and, and the like detail has gone into a top-down puzzler that is very much (laughs) 2d zelda without enemies like this is just fantastic yeah
0: uh so cocoon comes with our strongest recommendation do check it out please check it out uh and yeah i'm sure we'll be talking about it at the end of the year um in some fashion um so uh look forward to that uh but bali uh i have also spent a lot of time with another really good game this year that just continues to be the case um and like yeah this episode is basically like three banger indies uh plus Advance wars 2 i've not got to this uh, one yet yeah plus Advance wars 2. yeah 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 um so uh yes i know you're very interested in playing this as well mm. also like this is a bally ass fucking game if ever there was one as well um <laughs> yeah. so sea of stars uh, sea of stars obviously came out uh, a little while ago probably over a month ago now um came out on everything on switch on playstation xbox pc um and uh it is a rpg in the style of chrono trigger right it is a kind of classic turn-based rpg um and it's it was interesting for me going to see a stars because i had played chained echoes at the end of last year star this year and chained echoes was such a revelation like chained echoes is again one of the best indies of recent years and i think is just an amazing game and i was a little worried that that had spoiled me because so much of what chained echoes does is it it modernizes jrpgs right it's like okay we're gonna take out the grinding we're gonna take out the entire like um you know mana recovery health recovery after battle system we're going to just make everything smooth and seamless and all that sort of stuff and i was worried because sea of stars i played the demo for it and i was i liked the demo but i wasn't as impressed with it and the combat seemed interesting but wasn't you know as engaging to me um and so i was worried because you know sea of stars does have a thing where you have to heal after battles and stuff like that and it does have you know a bit more classic vibe to it and i would almost compare it in this way where chained echoes is what if they evolved final fantasy 6 sea of stars mm. is what if they evolved chrono trigger and i think Ooh. both these games do things very well but in different ways um where like narratively chained echoes is much better it has a much more interesting concept and setup and story a wider set of characters a more ensemble cast like final fantasy 6 without a real protagonist in a way um and just deals with deeper darker themes basically um whereas sea of stars is far more like it's a fun adventure with you know some characters that are very light in terms of their characterization i I would say that's its weakest aspect right i got to the end of this game and the two main characters Zale and valir i still don't really know who they are as people they just feel like ciphers Mm. you know they don't feel like characters um and the one character that does feel like a character is their friend gal who kind of joins them on their adventure so so sea of stars is a um kind of a three-party uh rpg where you have three characters and uh Zayl and valir they're these uh they're called the solstice uh warriors basically so once every however long like in the summer and the winter uh, a, a a eagle a great eagle will uh, bring a baby to this island, and it could be blessed by the solstice basically, so um there are not many solstice warriors left, and there's this whole thing where the solstice warriors have to fight these uh dwellers who are these kind of evil beings and so what happens in the story is actually kind of kicks you off in in media res it 's the two of you on a mission and you just run around this overworld and you 're fighting things immediately and it feels like it just gets into the meat of it very quickly with the battle system. then what it does is it does bally 's favorite thing where it um it goes it does a flashback and they're all they kids again at the academy and it has a slow narrative focused tutorial where it teaches yeah. you everything about the game um yeah. in a slow way. This is where I felt like the intro was a bit rough because it was it threw you right into the action. Then it's like no no we're going to take that away now you're going to have to walk slowly through these narrative a bits. Lot that, and, and, a lot
1: of JRPGs like to do that actually. Yeah, um, yeah. I think a couple of chapters in Octopath Traveler two do that. Um, yes. Here's all the things, take it away. Famously, Final Fantasy VI does it at the start.
0: It does, yes, exactly. And I I actually kind of like that. I think Chained Echoes also does it, where there's a big battle, and you're you're in your mech straight away, and you're going and fighting stuff, and then they take it all away. It's the Metroid vein, it's the... um uh what they call it abilities right it's the ability to give you the cool stuff (laughs) and then they take it away from you Uh, a patented metroid uh, thing that always happens um but yeah this this game does a likewise thing and i think you'll like it because of that because it does the whole like oh now we're going to slowly teach you everything uh with tutorials um and yeah i think that the pacing was a little bit off for me so i was was a little bit put off by that but after that you get into the meat event you start running around and i mean this game is fucking stunning it is just beautiful pixel art real high quality stuff that's another area where it kind of stands apart from chain Echoes. where chain Echoes like looks good but it's more of a traditional pixel art style sea of stars is a it's more isometric right it's almost cocoon-esque in a way but with pixels in that it's an angled uh position and there's a lot more environmental kind of traversal there's a lot of golden sun dna in this game mm. where like you have abilities one of the first abilities you get is a wind push and you'll be able to push blocks on the overworld and do environmental puzzles so there's a bit of zelda injected in here where you're going through dungeons and it's not just fighting enemies it is solving puzzles to get places. it is climbing on objects and like traversal stuff is very much just push the button to do it but there's a real tangibility satisfaction to doing that for climbing ledges for moving on ropes for and there's one point you get a grapple hook and oh my god it's one of the best feeling grapple hooks in a 2d game i've ever seen like it it has a a real spark to it, a real punch that just like pings you across places and has great momentum and yeah it just feels like they give you these tools to make the environment a place that is fun to explore and fun to discover and fun to find stuff which i think is is great and is kind of the core of what makes this game good is that combined with obviously the kind of combat in the overworld so you'll enter a space and um you know you'll go through it and you'll fight enemies at a kind of prescribed limit where they won't be random battles you're not running into any random battles they're all on the overworld, just like in chrono trigger and as soon as you run into one it will hop into position just like chrono trigger does right and so you have these abilities like um different kind of solstice powers so valir has a moon ability and zail has a sun ability and enemies have these locks on them so an enemy might have a blunt lock a sword lock and a sun so what that means is uh, it will count down. So you'll maybe have two turns to get rid of these three locks. So, what you want to do is you want to hit the blunt attack with Valir because she uses a kind of, um, not a spear, but a, uh, like a pole. What do I call that? Like a, um, Oh, it's like what Keelik has in Soul yeah. Calibur. Uh, or... Fucking staff? A staff is a good way to call it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so she has a staff, so she always does blunt damage. Zael has a sword, so he always does like, sharp damage, essentially. So you'd hit him once with Valir to get the blunt damage, and then you'd hit him with Zael to do the sword, but you also have to get rid of the sun. So Zael has a move that basically allows him to do a special move that lets him do sun damage and sword damage at the same time. So you could do that and use sub-special, or you could use the the system that they build into the game called... Oh, I can't remember the name of it. But basically, if you do a basic attack on an enemy... And by the way, all this combat is Mario RPG inspired, where like Paper Mario, where you have to time button presses to do extra damage.
1: So if you time the button press, you'll do two hits as opposed to one hit. Um, is it, Do you find it's all telegraphed well? I've heard it, a little bit of yeah. criticism suggesting that it's very tricky to learn the timing on that. yes. To- it, Dude, it no definitely way.
0: is. It's similar to the Mario RPG games, where it's never perfect, right? It's never exactly what you expect. Where oftentimes, I found myself pressing the button before the animation exactly hits, because if you hit it exactly when it hits, it doesn't actually do it. I think that's a bit of a problem with this genre, this type of RPG, is that I, I wish it was a bit more um, kind of tight with those windows, right? The windows are tight, but they're tight in the wrong way, where it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that's the point that you should press it and i had to rely a lot on audio cues in order to get the timing correct like the animation is helpful but it's more the audio that actually signals you into when you should press the button so actually playing this with you know uh, volume on on the game as opposed to kind of usual grinding in jrpgs um meant i didn't get to play as many uh, kind of podcasts while i was playing this. i did for a bit but like once i understood enemies and the other thing is that enemies have so the thing with the lock system, right? To get rid of the lock system, if 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 an enemy... If you don't get rid of locks on an enemy, they'll use a special move, which will does way more damage. So it's in your interest to get rid of those locks. Whereas a basic enemy move will be a different animation. And there are quite a lot of enemies in this game. It took me 27 hours to finish the whole thing, so it was a, it was a pretty long uh, affair. But... Um, But yeah, there's a lot of enemies throughout that 27 hours. Like, they, they, they keep it fresh for the whole game. There's so many different areas you go through and there's constantly throwing new different enemies at you and so you're always learning the timing of brand new enemies every time you get to a new area. So that knowledge feels like you get it for a small amount of time and then you have to reset that knowledge base again because you're presented with brand new enemies so the timing stuff always takes a bit of trial and error and you will likely take a lot more damage when you start an area than when you finish it because by the time you finish an area you'll be familiar enough with the timing to where you're usually blocking and taking less damage from enemies um for the most part basically so um but yeah I, i guess the the combat itself has a lot of elements to it in that way where Um, so the thing that i was going to say is that when you do a regular attack on an enemy you create these kind of orbs on the ground and you can inhale those orbs for one of your characters and it will buff the amount of damage they do so if you do three regular attacks the other thing regular attacks do is they give you mana back and this game is very low in its numbers where like your health starts at like i don't know 40 and your mana starts at like seven and to do one special attack it's like three or four mana so you can only do a couple of special attacks before you're out of mana but you get mana back by doing regular attacks so you use your specials at the start of a fight the game encourages you to do this they're like never have your mana bar full at the end of a fight you should always at the start of a fight you'll have it uh full use your mana you'll get it back by doing regular attacks so that's kind of the flow of the game where you are resetting your mana by doing regular attacks and then you're doing your special moves to like break enemy weaknesses and do more damage basically um so there's a real kind of um kind of flow to it in that way i will say that the combat is one of those things that doesn't evolve enough throughout the game i'd say the complexity always comes from the perspective of new enemies with new movesets that you have to learn your characters only get a couple of abilities to begin with and they only get a couple more throughout the whole game um which means that lots of fights can tend to feel the same in terms of your strategy um i relied heavily on one of valir's moves called the moonarang where it's basically it's like the ganon fight in in all the zelda games tennis it's basically tennis where she throws a moon out and it hits the enemy and it comes back to you and you have to time the button press to do it and you will eventually get very good at this where you are doing it and you're just doing and just you're doing hundreds of damage because you're very good at like doing that reaction time essentially um so i got very good at doing that and so there were fights where i'd just be like well i'm just going to use valir's move and it's just going to kill everybody basically so um that that definitely can you know mess things up a little bit in terms of the pacing of it but um but yeah I, I enjoyed the the feeling of getting it right and nailing the timing is good once you have the timing um so it takes a little bit to get into it
1: it sounds like the game could maybe benefit from more characters and like more variety yes. in sets. And...
0: and there are more characters like it's not just your three starting characters okay. the story evolves and you get more i would say the characters come a little late into the game though you get a fourth character at maybe the 10 hour mark okay and then you get a fifth character at like the 15 hour mark and then you get a last character at like the 23 hour and mark how many something. are in your party uh three total three. at one time okay. so you always have three and here's another brilliant thing that uh, the chained echoes also does you can swap out party members mid fight with no penalty zero penalty so if one of your characters is low on health just switch them out and you can act with that that new character oh. on the same turn like, it's really good. It's really streamlined in that way. So um, your wider
1: party, not within the yes, three. Yeah, so if you have, like, wow, five okay.
0: party members, you can just uh, swap out one of your party members. Because, and this, this has to happen, because sometimes you'll be in boss fights where it's like, okay, I need moon and sun, but then I also need poison, and I need this other um, kind of effect that I, I have from another party member. So I'm constantly swapping party members in and out in order mm. to achieve those ends. Um, so yeah, it definitely it definitely is beneficial to keep twapping people in and out and also just balancing them on you need to get to the end of Octopath traveler too <laughs> yeah no i'm sure yes yeah i'm sure it does a similar thing right um but but yeah this this game feels like it's it just keeps things fresh mainly through the new spaces that you find like there's a there's a point in this game i think from like hour two to hour ten where i was really in love with it because it was just like Mm. here's a new area you can spend one evening do an hour and a half you'll play through this whole new area with different enemies different vibe different music there'll be a really incredibly pixel animated boss these bosses are really amazing from a animation standpoint from a pixel standpoint they're just like some of the best i've I've seen in the medium um and you know i guess war groove as well like this is seems like a good time for incredible pixel art games to come to the fore and sea of stars is is no different in that in that sense um but it felt like i i could i the reason it took me a while to finish this game is that i i felt like i played an hour and a half but i was kind of exhausted at the end because you do so much there's so much density within that hour and a half of a play session Mm. that you always feel like okay i need to take a, a break from this and i'll come back tomorrow and play more of it basically um otherwise i feel like i'll kind of burn myself out on it um so so yeah and i think that was really good then hour 10 to hour 20 is where i felt less good about the game because it feels like it just keeps doing that same thing right you're still going to new areas still doing that stuff but it feels like there isn't enough change isn't enough hook to keep you going because the story is just the characters aren't that interesting and the story is still not getting to an interesting place that you are kind of just Dragged along a little bit. So I'd, I'd say the middle of it is a bit, I guess, kind of what you're talking about with Jedi Survivor, right? Where it just feels like right. the middle is a little baggy in terms of how much stuff you have to do to get to the interesting places. And then you get to the back half of the game, and suddenly there's a cool twist that happens. And then you get to a place and you're like, oh my gosh, this game still has like seven more hours for me to play, uh, which I I wasn't uh, super sure about because I'm like, I kind of want this to finish. But then those seven hours are super interesting and like have different locations and everything is changed in a weird, unique Mm. way. Um, So like the back half actually ended up being a lot stronger. And then the story starts to come into its own in the back half as well. And is a lot more interesting. And yeah, it, it just feels like starts a little slow, gets really strong for the first chunk, falls off a lot in the middle, and then ends really strongly. So it's basically, can you get through that middle chunk okay? And I think, honestly, with your taste in games and things you like, I feel like the music, the Mm. atmosphere, the combat, the rhythm of the combat, and the areas will kind of carry you through that. So I do think, Val, you'll probably come out the other side liking this game more than me overall. Um, But I still really like Sea of Stars. I think it's definitely going to be... A game to consider for my top 10 this year um there's there's so much to like about it there's so many like craft things that it does well part of my love for this game is also being a fan of the messenger um this game is connected to it story-wise because they take place in the same universe like this hundreds thousands prequel. of years apart it is a prequel right so it's like before the messenger, the events of the messenger which to be honest i don't remember anything about the messenger story wise it's a <laughs> metroidvania kind of side scroller so as with most of those games i just a button through the dialogue because like who gives a fuck in those games about story so i really don't know anything about the story in that game but the thing that did stick with me from the messenger is the music and let me tell you i have never been so struck with musical callbacks in a game maybe xenoblade is the only other exception of musical callbacks getting me but i was a huge fan of the soundtrack for the messenger i remember the end of that year we did a music episode where we walked through our favorite tracks of the year i remember uh showing you some of those messenger soundtracks and you were like really into them i don't think you've got around to that game yet have you The Messenger? i haven't I, i
1: i might have to play after this game
0: yeah yeah totally and you'll maybe get the reverse of that with the music because there are there are places you get to near the end of the game where a, a, a song kicks in. I'm like, wait a second, I recognize that. Um, and yeah, there's, it happens a few times where it's like bangers from the messenger, like some of the best tracks from that game pop up uh, in Sea of Stars and in new remixed form and it's just it's so cool it's just a really cool thing there's a really great youtube video uh, that i shared in the discord that is basically showing you a level from the messenger and the same level from sea of stars one of them's a side scrolling level one of them's an isometric you know uh, rpg but you follow the level design and they basically like one-to-one recreate the level design in the sea of stars level as they did in the messenger with the music from that area in the messenger play it's so cool it's really cool stuff so um they definitely put it all out there in terms of linking things together from the previous game with uh with this one um yeah it's 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 super good so that stuff stands out very well um and yeah like I, i had a good time with it like i think it was just overall a really polished experience I think part of the high review scores is just it has just this really high quality bar and so many aspects from the music to the the sound to the uh just the pixel art aesthetic and all the little animations and flourishes and and yeah certainly the story is the place where it is the weakest but i I was invested in it by the end and I do think they did a good job of kind of like pulling me through and uh Getting me to that place, but, um, but yeah, it's really about just exploring this space and going to all these different areas. that also has a really fun little fishing mini game um, where you come across. So the overworld map is interesting. So you'll do, you'll go into a space and you'll do the the whole like puzzle solving, walking around isometric space. Then you exit to the overworld and it's a big zoomed out thing and it's basically like you know any other classic RPG like Chrono Trigger, where your little characters are walking on the map and you see them oh, walking nice, yeah. to the next place. And so there are these um, these spots you can get to. That that are basically fishing ponds and so every time you find a fishing pond you go there and it has like blank spots on the board it's like three fish that you haven't seen yet and so it's just i don't think you really get anything for doing it but every time i, I went to one it's like it's a nice little gameplay um you know reprie from everything else and you you throw your fishing rod out there and you, you you roll in the fish and it's it's a good time um so yeah i, I enjoyed that quite a bit um and yeah there's a lot of kind of extra stuff there um there is actually a true ending to this game um i wasn't really bothered to do it cuz it involved a lot of stuff you had to do afterwards and it involved finding like these 60 hidden things within the world and, and there's lots of stuff you have to do i would really strongly recommend though if you don't do the true ending going and watching it on youtube because if there was any doubt that this game was inspired by chrono trigger the true ending of that game well and truly i'm not going to say it like plagiarizes it but it's like i mean you just basically fucking did what happened to chrono trigger in the true ending of this game which i, th- I thought was um was it was cool it was like very very clearly a uh you know reverential callback that they wanted to do um and the way that they combine it where it kind of combines two plot points from chrono trigger together in a fun way i thought it was really cool so i i recommend doing that if you uh, don't want to go through the whole uh kind of end game stuff to do that because there's quite a lot of uh work to kind of unlock that true stuff so i was like i'm just gonna i'm gonna watch on youtube and i found a good video that kind of walked through all the steps of what you had to do and all the story beats leading up to it um and yeah i think it's a really good true ending to the game that that feels like the right kind of ending for the game um and and yeah it's uh yeah the, ver- the very final thing you do in the game as well is super surprising and i was like mm. wow we're doing this like it, it mm. has a whole twist to it so yeah i uh i think it's it it is honestly worth going through the kind of that baggy middle to get to some of the 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 back half of this game because it it really does deliver in the end so So, yeah to um, squeeze it
1: in this year somehow it's hard it's
0: hard right because it is like it did take me almost 30 hours um yeah and ideally ideally you want like a kind of 20 hour game like this right like even Chained Echoes was like forty hours. So like even the indie RPGs are not adhering to Chrono Trigger standards. They're like, Yeah, but what if we did a bit more than that? And I'm like, Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great, but like the brilliant thing about Chrono Trigger is how short it is. Um, how how you can do all of those side quests, all those character side quests, and still only clock in at about twenty two hours, right, maximum. Right. Yeah. So um i do hope that more of these come out and you know it seems like we're in a renaissance of them having i mean having chained echoes and sea of stars basically like i said being the final fantasy six and the chrono trigger of indie rpgs um uh where's the earthbound is, is kind of what i'm interested in mm. i mean i guess Eastwood in some ways but Eastwood's not a turn-based game eastward, so.
1: uh, what was the what's the one with the the sick music 12 hour oh undertale undertale
0: yeah. yes yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah i guess undertale is that isn't it for uh for Earthbound, um,
1: it is. But I love Earthbound and didn't jive with Undertale. Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah, well, um, it sounds like I'm really gonna love Sea of Stars, and I, I did. I did really enjoy Chrono Trigger. So yeah, sign me up.
0: Yeah, CS stars is certified a Bali game. Uh so truly we are in the year of Bali. Uh, yeah. It's happening. F Zero. What well, if the, the year of Bali was... goes
1: long like the year of Luigi, wouldn't oh, that no. <laughs> like next year it just keeps going?
0: Well at least in the year of Bali, uh Nintendo haven't lost like seven hundred million dollars or whatever it was in the year of Luigi where <laughs> oh, they like oh, yeah. recorded okay. record losses and stuff like that. So uh <laughs> you haven't quite cursed the company yet, but um but yeah um yeah i mean sea of stars has done really well i assume a lot of our listeners have played it at this point um and yeah it's it's like probably a perfect portable game again it's a game pass game so that's where i played it but i think i would have finished this game a lot sooner had it been on switch and from what i've heard um people are saying like on oled this is like one of the best looking games on the system so there's a lot of temptation there i think the thing that draws me away from the temptation is it is quite pricey um in terms of indie stuff it's like 25 30 quid it's quite expensive um but i would say it's probably worth it because the quality is there and you know it's a long it's big long game so if it is one that you're gonna you know if you don't have that much time or money to spend on games i'd say it's probably worth it if you're into this stuff because it will last you a good long while and if you want to do all the extra stuff the end game stuff uh yeah you can get a good 40 50 hours out of this i think so um yeah see you stars really really cool uh definitely get around to it if you can even if you don't finish it, Bally, i think it's worth you just checking out and oh, seeing how it lives with yeah. you
1: so i'll get there i'll get yeah. there. i'm strategizing between now and the end of the year and i've i've got some ideas I think okay I, can, I think i can pull this off all right we'll see
0: um because i definitely would like to chat about it in game of the year stuff yeah, i think it's definitely. a good candidate for that stuff so lovely uh well i think that's going to close us out Bally. um i my plan right now is basically to clean stuff up because i've had stuff hanging over me for so long basically your two favorite games are hanging over me with horizon (laughs) and octopath and i'm like 40 hours into both basically so um i'm I'm about to wrap up horizon
1: i invested over 80 hours in both of those games i can't say that for many games no exactly
0: exactly so yeah i'm I'm gonna wrap up horizon and then i think i'm gonna switch gears back to octopath for a while and uh see if i can get a good more dent in that because I am enjoying it a lot still and uh yeah it's just it's taking me a while to get through it but um yeah it's, it's been really good um yeah uh I, again we're gonna be coming up soon with some big hotness because Mario Wonder is coming uh on the 20th and uh, I have taken that weekend off Bally so I will hmm. be playing a bunch of Mario Wonder
1: but we are gonna record ahead of the weekend yep, yep. so unfortunately we won't have mario wonder coverage next episode no but we will probably have beaten the game by the fire fall- i think we will it. have done yeah depending Very on how likely. long it is uh, but yeah. yeah um so next time i'm probably hopefully going to play more wall groove uh maybe start a sea of stars uh yeah. and then there's a bunch of shorter stuff i'm planning on getting to. yeah i can May,
0: maybe i will I, I might do a bit of a mario wonder solo segment that might be a fun okay. thing to do just so do that people have something to uh to get a bit of our thoughts on uh for for next time so maybe we can add that on to uh, next week's episode just so people can get a bit of mario wonder yeah. thoughts in there
1: i'm coming down to london so we're you are indeed some some and drinks so yeah absolutely be
0: good. it'll be a good time uh so yeah looking forward to that and, uh, and, yeah, and we'll uh, continue to uh, jam away our backlogs here and see if we can uh, make any sort of dent in them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been going well. It's been going well so far. So.
1: And occasionally, MBZ just messages you like, oh, yeah, this is my game of the year and you need <laughs> to play it. And it's like, okay, well, well, I guess i got to play this game Well, helpful, right? but, uh, yeah. hey, I mean, it led to a good discussion, right? So I'm glad, I'm glad oh, that you got to, to play it. It was a fantastic game. Um, yeah. Let's see if that happens. When, when's the next time that's going to happen? Where you just like, I play this game, you've got to play it. Yeah, I don't
0: know. It's very rare that it happens, but you know. See, the
1: uh, thing is, MBZ is gradually turning into Jeff Gersman. Like, this has been going on <laughs> for what about do you mean by the this? Last six, seven, eight years where mbz keeps widening his horizons he keeps playing more and more different games uh-huh. he gets a lot more fussy and a lot more nitpicky <laughs> oh, and he gradually yeah. just becomes sour on things he formerly loved and uh-huh. all of a sudden freshness is rewarded more and more and more yeah um to the point where when mbz messages you and he says this game is fantastic you need to play it um, I'm. I, you're. You're only getting more and more believable, mz Like when you when. Okay, <laughs> it means more basically. Yeah, yeah. You, you're yeah. getting more refined, harder sure. to please. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, by the time that we're like 80 years old, you're oh going to be God. like, <laughs> I need. I don't know, Baldur's Gate three in my veins. Every single yes. game, it has to be so fresh. Yeah. It has to be new. It has to be whatever. So right, yeah. I think I think we're still on that trajectory. So that's why a New Cocoon was one to play. mm Hmm yeah I, I as soon as
0: i played it i'm like bali's gonna fucking love this game as well <laughs> like i just i just felt it in my bones so, oh it's definitely
1: uh, surpassed um the gardens between is my favorite puzzler for sure yeah yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think it's easily above that
0: yeah i think like honestly this like goragoa is um it's got of, a
1: lot of goragoa energy yes, you know like yes. goragoa presents that world into world thing in a way that i didn't drive with but yeah. you do the world into world thing that cocoon's doing it just sat with me so much nicer yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, puzzle games are good, turns out. Oh yes. Can, um,
0: but uh, we are going to get on out of here, so let's uh, plug some stuff and uh, say bye-bye. Uh, Bally, people can go on the internet and find us. They can find me at LordNBZ
1: on Twitter. Where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ballyman91. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1. I was really hoping that I was going to get another win in F-Zero Oh, okay, yeah. And i'm gonna be honest i can't remember the last time i got a top 10 oh no the difficulty has ranked right up it it is
0: damn well i mean my chances of getting a top 10 are basically dashed at this point yeah it's
1: it's it's brutal out there have they not added new tracks did they do that recently oh yeah they've added tracks they're brutally hard uh all everyone all the racers seem to be absolute pros now um my rank is still keeps going up which Mm. is nice but um i'm struggling like hell to get Damn. closer like there's a lot more um impressive driving going on okay there. um so yeah look out it's, it's rough yeah. out yeah
0: yeah i'm glad that they're updating that very quickly because like i didn't expect them to suddenly drop even more tracks so soon after it came out yeah nice
1: more to see more tracks no more cars yet no uh, i don't know if that will be a thing like i said i think the game is very finely balanced with the cars so i'd be yeah. surprised if there's many more but We'll but, see, uh, but yeah, I'm sure you'll return to that uh, as more stuff. Oh yeah, added, I've been so. I've been chipping away a little bit. I think I'm nice. maybe played about 15 hours, 40 Jeez, hours. Like damn. I've done close to 160, 70 races. Wow! So. That's good seeing as I got one race, one win for 100 races, I guess I'm not due another win yet. No, so. yeah, no, you got to do another 50 I or so. We've got about yeah. 40 races in the bag to yeah. try and get that win. But we'll good see.
0: stuff. Um, yeah, you can also find the podcast where at TNL Podcast for updates about the show, link to our Discord, link to our YouTube channel, all that good stuff uh, where you can find the show. Uh, usually on these episodes we do emails from listeners, uh, but we didn't do them today, but Bali, people can send their emails in for us to answer, where can they send them to?
1: Please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com, that's thisnintendolife at gmail.com. We should also say there's a channel on our Discord server, Link to the Discord server in the, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and There's a channel called emails. You can post your comment, your email, your question over there as well. Absolutely.
0: So yeah, go ahead and do that. And I'm sure that next time we will get back to those uh, and start digging through the, uh, the bucket. Um, obviously you can find us on the internet in various places but if you would like to support the show uh, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash this life where you can sign up and get some bonus things from us um, I think Patreon's on a weird update thing Bally. I'm not sure what the consequences are of it for us or anything but if anything's going wrong with Patreon and feeds and stuff let us know because I've been hearing some bad stuff about the changes they're making basically so we'll, we'll see how that's going but, um, but yes we would like to thank people who are supporting us still on Patreon Bally uh, who are they
1: yes thank you to our ten dollar tier plus patrons they are zach s thomas matthew albert wicked gamer uk allen and turtle thank you all for your ten dollar tier plus support but thank you to all of our other patrons um, Absolutely, we really 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 appreciate the support you give the show uh, especially as you know we've got a lot of nintendo shows coming up and there's a lot of nintendo games coming out most notably yes. for me forza motorsport uh well there's middling reviews but i'm still excited to play it. and mm-hmm. spider-man 2 is around the corner same yeah. day as mario wonder so we're both gonna jump into that
0: absolutely uh i played a playtale requiem as well oh, so we're gonna talk course, about that yeah. uh there's lots of stuff to Some chat solar ash solar ash yeah lots of good stuff so uh yeah uh, look out for those episodes when they drop um but uh but yes uh you can also find us in various places across the internet uh if you would like to uh, subscribe to the show you can find us on stitcher or on spotify uh you can download us in any podcasting app that you find just search this nintendo life uh and you can subscribe and get the episodes downloaded automatically every couple of weeks when they come out never have to think about it again peace of mind lovely stuff uh, obviously you can also review us and that'd be greatly appreciated uh if you're looking for a uh, a nice halloween present for us this october uh g- give us a review on uh, either itunes or on spotify um, either way uh, helps us and gets us out to different audiences uh, more people so that would be lovely and wonderful and we would appreciate it greatly so go ahead uh, if you are so inclined um but yeah i think that is going to do us barely it's going to wrap us up um for this hot october month um and uh yeah i'm expecting expecting some interesting stuff from mario wonder you know i'm interested to how it reviews and stuff i'm actually going to be um my my expectations are low yeah i think we'll go in with lowered expectations and yeah. prepare to be blown away
1: right um which is the best way to approach it right i think that i guess this is your last chance open critic prediction oh my god mario wonder let's go mbz
0: uh go. I think it can't be anything less than a ninety, and I'm going to go bang with really? money. With yeah, I think I'm going to go money. It's it's Mario. There's a there's a cert, like this is the thing. There's a not that there's a bias in the press, but like if there anything has the bias. name Zelda or the name Mario, oh, well, there's it, a bias, yeah. You're just going to get people giving it a ten regardless, right? Yeah, it's it's like just going to have five percent. It adds yeah it at least adds if you're Rockstar or if you're Nintendo, you at least get a bonus five percent from the press. Um, naughty
1: dogs in there as well it
0: probably yeah um but but yeah you definitely get a bit of a bump so i'm gonna say a flat 90 i think it's gonna surprise people because it's of the freshest mario's felt in a while and that's gonna make people give it a higher score what do you think
1: i'm gonna go 88 okay Uh, i think it's gonna be very popular it's gonna be great but you know that those 90s are harder to crack and Mm -hmm. i think it's gonna be less revolutionary than people are hoping but, yeah
0: um, i hope otherwise i hope otherwise. i really hope otherwise and, and i may get a chance to play it slightly early because i am going to egx next week um so uh
1: i that's, might be able to cool.
0: uh catch a bit of mario wonder before it comes out so Th- we'll there see. was this
1: interesting question on kind of funny that i think we can do very quickly um, but they said if you take zelda and mario and you break them into 3d and 2d mm-hmm. what would your ranking be oh okay and let's quickly do this i'm also going to throw in metroid because i think we can sure. do that because kind of okay
0: really play so 3d slash 2d for all uh, yeah. three of these so six six games or six yeah. rankings okay my number one is 2d metroid yeah um my number two is 3d zelda okay my number three is 3d mario okay then 2d zelda yeah 2d mario
1: and God where it. it belongs, in the fucking bottom 3D Metroid. <laughs> Get fucked, Metro Prime. Interesting you put 2D Mario 5th. I, I thought it might be bottom, but then obviously 3D Metroid is never going yes. to. So I'd go number one, 3D Zelda. Yep. That number tracks. two, 3D Mario. Yep. Number three, 3D Metroid. Oh. Number four, 2D Metroid. Number five, 2D Zelda. Number six, 2D huh. Mario. So my huh. point is. 2d mario is not high up our estimations when it comes no. to like zelda's big properties no. um, it's number five for you number six for me so i'm hoping mario wonder can make me be like oh actually you know it's a really great genre not genre we love 2d platformers it's a really yes. great series yes. you know, we love a bit of 2d mario and i'm just not there
0: yeah I, I i'm ready to be a believer in mario wonder um yeah so yeah yes let's do it um it's called wonder it's supposed to make us believers uh, drop the uh, the uh, what do you call it the cynicism from our eyes so uh let's uh, let's go i in. want to play and, as an uh, elephant who doesn't want to play as absolutely an elephant? sounds let's like a it. great time sounds like a great time so looking forward to it uh, and we'll be chatting about it i'm sure much more uh, but until then thank you all so much for listening we will see you in a couple of weeks time with some more nonsense until then have a good one bye-bye folks